What makes us take up causes others think are impossible? What draws others to the cause, bonds us together, and gives us an inexhaustible energy and unwavering belief that we'll succeed? I'll draw on my own experiences and talk to fellow champions about the successes, setbacks, and team dynamics that move causes forward. I'm Marvin Stockwell, and welcome to Champions of the Lost Causes. On today's show, Jared Boyd, Program Manager for WYXR, Memphis's newest community radio station. We'll talk about how the station grew from germ of an idea to collaboration with others to now broadcasting diverse viewpoints and an eclectic mix of music from Crosstown Concourse in Memphis. We'll also talk about Jared's appreciation for Memphis music past and present and his own experiences as a journalist and DJ. All that and more on Champions of the Lost Causes. Jared, thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, Marvin. Thanks for having me. This is fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, I've been wanting to have you on the show for, for a while now. Glad you could make it. Um, for those who don't know, uh, how long, first off, how long has WYXR been on the air now? Uh, we launched on air October 5th, 2020. Okay, so, uh, wow. Yeah, it, it's almost been a year. I feel like we should have some some huge celebration, right? <laughs> There's got to be something in the works, I, w- I would hope. Let's we'll see, um, we'll see what we can put together. Yeah. So, uh, wow. Uh, and, and so what, what, what have you learned in a year of, of running a radio station and, uh, and maybe just take a a step back and let people, let our listeners know, like, what was the plan behind the station and and how did you help, uh, you and Robbie and others help execute on that? Well, you know, when you thinking about what I've learned, I think I've, I've learned really management. That's just what it's been. Uh, I was, I was a lone wolf for much of my early career as a journalist. Um, you know, not only here in Memphis at the daily Memphian, but also, uh, in Alabama, I lived in Mobile, uh, writing for Alabama media group and, uh, AL.com. And then later mm-hmm. red clay media, which we, uh, launched a, a property called it's a Southern thing. Sort of like a Southern Buzzfeed kind of lifestyle. Oh, gotcha. online, uh, blog, but also, uh, you know, there was a lot of scripted content, non-scripted content. So sort of a humorous kind of take on, on Southern life. Uh, and it's kind of, a you know, not quite gardening gun or, you know, Southern living with sort of like a millennial, cool, funny kind of take on being in the South. And, um, a lot of that content was things I was doing on my own, maybe myself, uh, you know, I, you know, curate content and give it to an editor to, to sort of shore up and, and, and trim the hedges a bit. Uh, but you know, this has been a large undertaking of, we launched with around 70 volunteer DJs and now we're, we're about to, well, we certainly have broken a hundred volunteers. Uh, many of them are on air, some doing some things in other places. Uh, so, sort of being able to manage the, uh, that larger core of volunteers out of the gate, um, and you know, it's not necessarily my content that's out in the forefront. You know, I, I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes, the social media, the newsletters, that sort of thing, uh, which is is not foreign to me because I, I write, I've, I've written, uh, and been published, but. Um, you know, 
it's it's my my radio show is two hours a week. It's a small chunk of of this large tapestry uh, that's finely woven of people doing all these different things from mm-hmm. Brandy Rinks on Sunday morning playing you know outlaw country uh, to Spanish Fly on a Thursday night playing uh, hip hop and R and B. Um, you know, just so much so much stuff. Ezra Wheeler is doing stuff. And, mm, yeah. Uh, you know, Elizabeth Kwan and Tanya Dyson and. Shelby McCall and all these different people doing all these different styles of music from jazz to hip hop to soul to R&B to funk uh, and on and on and on and having conversations as well. So there's there's talk, um, you know, Bishop Phoebe Rofe doing, uh, you know, Faithfully Memphis, yes, Faithfully Memphis talking about spirituality and your journey through Mm -hmm. that. But that show's completely different from Saturday morning, I mean, Saturday afternoon, rather our gospel show, Pastor Juan D. Ship, who uh, was a producer in this town in the 70s and had his own label oh, and, wow. and had, you know, sort of a fairly underground, uh, you know, record collector fandom who mm-hmm. was just someone that I knew from other people around town telling me what sort of records they were looking for. If you ever see this gospel label, you should get it. Well, now we've not only do I have a lot of those records, but we've got the man himself in every Saturday uh, sharing his take on gospel. So these two spiritual shows have a wide wow. gap between them. So, I mean, even shows that might sound similar, the approach is so different. And, and we're continuing to grow. Uh, finally, finally got a show I really, really wanted. Uh, I wanted to have a Latinx mu- music show. And and I just didn't want to check that box. I didn't just want to check a box. I wanted to find the person who got what we did, understood who we are, understood our vibe and, and our take on community and would apply uh, that music and those, uh, you know, what's going on in, in the community here to, you know, our framework. And so we finally have gotten that and, and this, this past week. And she was so nervous, Talia. She was so nervous. Yeah. And she killed it. <laughs> it was like I've never seen someone – uh, put on that they were so nervous and then have such a huge, great debut show. So I'm just excited for the, the many different pieces we can plug in. And uh, that's what I think that's what I've learned uh, over the last year is just how to, you know, not just manage myself, but manage all those different mm-hmm. things moving at one time. And we're doing events and we're fundraising and we're friend raising and we're meeting with these people and we're giving tours and doing all this. It's so much more than, than what I would have just done sitting at a, at a, at an, in the newsroom or even out in the field uh, where no two days were the same, but this is, this is a high, high impact version of that. I think the second part of your question was just sort of how, what the plan was and what, what we mm-hmm. thought this would be. Uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, I was in the newsroom. At the Daily Memphian, uh, happy to be reporting, happy to be writing about music, Memphis music and entertainment and, and writing about some other things and current events on Saturdays. I was the only Saturday reporter on uh, on staff uh, on Saturday. So the pandemic happened and, and uh, you know, we were already kind of talking about what it would be like. Uh, when this radio station would happen from the Daily Memphian side. The Daily Memphian uh, was approached by University of Memphis because they already had an existing partnership in uh, investigative reporting with Mark Paraskia and mm-hmm. Otis Sanford, some other people involved. And so uh, those conversations, uh, I think, may have been too much for Daily Memphian to take on. You know, Taking a step into radio, they're, they're still a startup as well uh, here in the nonprofit news space. Uh, so, you know... Uh, 
it took a while for for those those conversations to really you know take hold. But uh, the the Crosstown Concourse had an additional space that they were looking to fill, mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. sort of media component with. Uh, as uh, Gil Worth was moving out uh, mm-hmm. with OAM podcast, they were moving out of uh, a as existing space that was in the central atrium. And I know Robbie Grant was involved with the Friends of Weevil, and and so uh, mm-hmm. Crosstown Concourse sort of approached him uh, to see if there was you know any any ideas they might have uh, for being able to bring all this together: the U of M piece, the Daily Memphian, mm-hmm. and the Crosstown Concourse, being able to, to bring it all together. And he had been a uh, a resident at the uh, Crosstown Arts Residency, and so he had a, a, a bit of a stake in Crosstown. Oh, I see. And uh, my name was sort of in those circles too because I was with. Uh, I am still with Bill Street Caravan, which records in the building. And so uh, I had been kind of helping to program the music that was over the speakers in the common areas and, and doing that sort of thing. So, you know, the two of us were kind of on these different sort of fringe parts of what was going on with art and music in Crosstown. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, so all those pieces just sort of fell into place. And then this pandemic happened. And so we were already kind of talking about through the Daily Memphian, you know, sort of having conversations with me about what it could look like to bring these articles off the page and into the radio space. But when the pandemic happened and I saw a lot of my time was not going to be used going to concerts and seeing what was going on new with artists and sitting in studios, mm-hmm. it's like, I just, it just didn't feel like any of that was going to be possible for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, my wheels just started turning and, you know, I'd been in those meetings and I ran into Eric Barnes and I just said, you know, Y'all keep asking me what, what would you do with this radio station. I think y'all might need somebody to to run it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he obliged my uh, curiosities there and and uh, allowed me to throw my name in the in the hat for that. And and the ball started moving pretty quickly. Uh, so you know, from there it was really Robbie and I uh, having conversations about who we thought should be involved as far as DJs and, you know, different names being thrown out from his world and Eric Plumley, Zach Ives, mm-hmm. uh, people from my world, a Daniel Mathis, a, uh, a DJ alpha whiskey, um, you know, just bringing all these different people together and, uh, meeting with people like Shannon Dixon to, to put a startup plan together. And, uh, a lot of people would be surprised to know that, uh, Robbie and, and myself, we both really didn't think that we needed shows on the station. Uh, we both felt like we had other outlets for our creativity. With you know, we've been doing it in other venues. This was, this was an opportunity to, to showcase, <coughs> excuse me, showcase new voices. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we were committed to that. But it was Shannon who said, "Y'all would be crazy to let every week go by and y'all not give some sort of address to your right. public and, and to the people who, who might want to donate or you know might want to be involved and might want to volunteer. You know, that's an opportunity for you to to share the core values of the station." So uh, we didn't know if we might have a show together, but we eventually decided that we would both have, uh, sh- you know, shows apart. So right, and and talking Memphis, y'all do together or just sometimes? Uh, you know, talking Memphis really was just it's, it's the WXR interview hour or two hours rather. Uh-huh. So it's it, it really for anybody. And Robbie and I sort of honestly, it started out with Robert Gordon. You know, he had all those library interviews he had done mm-hmm. at uh, the Ben Hooks Library, and every time he would do one, he would start off by saying, "We don't really know what these are going to be used for yet." And so we were like, all right, here, we get, we're giving you a platform to use them because <laughs> we knew Robert wanted to have a show. Uh, and so we gave, uh, we set aside two hours for him to be able to play those library interviews. Mm-hmm. And then we figured we'd have DJs who might want to bring in an artist here or, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. 
So that really was the idea. But, uh, you know, we needed somebody to edit those library interviews. So while we were waiting on that, Robbie and I just started doing interviews. And so it sort of became a thing we were doing together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, the DJs have sort of taken to finding an opportunity to book that time. But Robbie and I still get together and, and sort of do our own thing, too. So it's, it's everybody's show. Sure. It's, it's, the, it's the WYXR rotating interview program. <laughs> right. Now, you mentioned Robert and then Robbie. You mean Ro- Robert Gordon. Robert Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that, yeah, no, and that's a perfect fit, honestly, right? Um, yeah. You mentioned uh, community, vibe, and then the values of the station. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those those words kind of probably hang together uh, as a central kind of concept. Sure, missions. Uh, and I know that it, from what you said, it sounds like something that you all have somewhat discovered or un- unearthed as you went. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, how 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 do you feel about how things have evolved? I couldn't be more thrilled, and I know that that might sound cliche. You know, from day to day, there are small fires to put out, uh, but really, I mean, I think it, it the root of it is just working with Robbie, uh, who's a great leader. And uh, he comes from the world of, of marketing, digital marketing. He, mm-hmm. he helped to build out Archer Malmo's digital um, sector. And, uh, you know, when I was what uh, a kid growing up is what you might call a digital native, you know, it's people like Robbie who were sort of uh, blazing a path out in front for people to understand how to market through the web and how to present information through the web, uh, you know, trailblazers in in that sense and so i think we're kindred in a way that he might not be a digital native but you know he's a digital pioneer and Mm -hmm. so we look at ourselves as a as a digital first um music source media source and so me as a writer who also happens to dj and also you know happens to sort of be in the framework of, of artists here in memphis uh, it, it's it's really more so a space to allow others to be creative and really try to be authentic in what we allow people to project and what we allow mm. our consumer to uh, to see. And I think that in the past, the idea of community radio, particularly in this community, uh, was frankly, you know, a, a middle aged white uh, sort sort of uh, you know limited to a specific, uh, you know, economic uh, strata. Mm. And uh, I don't think that that necessarily was was wrong. It, it's, I think that, you know, there, there are dollars there, there are eyes there, there are support there that that maybe, you know, you would be challenging to find elsewhere. And so I think we are taking up that challenge with, with really just the mindset of there are other people who need to be spoken to. And whether or not um, those people always can bring dollars to uh, an outfit such as ourselves uh, isn't necessarily important. Uh, the, the fact that the programming is important is is what leads the mission. And so we want almost any kind of diverse voice that, that we can think of in Memphis to have some kind of input. If they can't be on air, maybe they can help out with social. If they can't help out with social, maybe they can help us design a t-shirt. If they can't do that, maybe they can help us uh, tailor an event to their neighborhood. You know, these are the sort of the bigger ideas that we have mm-hmm. uh, to to have a sustainable model for interest throughout because, of course, we can't please everybody. So most radio stations have a format. Mm-hmm. Memphis is our format. And mm-hmm. uh, that that's a tough thing to, to wrap your mind around and to sustain because uh, even myself, 
I can't listen. I can't listen to the radio station around the clock. You know, there are certain things I hear, and I'm like, all right, it's time to turn it down. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully, there's someone who's saying, okay, finally, I, this is the conversation I've been waiting for all day. Let's turn it up. And the hope is that you know, if if everyone in this community can think of one person on the station that reminds them of themselves or, or speaks directly to what they're interested in, if they show up for that hour or that two hours. Maybe they might come a little early and accidentally hear something that, that they didn't know they were expecting to hear beforehand and think, oh, that was cool. Maybe next week I'm going to tune in and, and listen a little bit earlier and catch that. Or maybe when they're done listening to the person that they know from their job or from their church community or from their high school or whichever it might be, maybe they'll stay a little later afterwards and see what's coming next. And if it's interesting, if it's similar and, and go on that journey with people. And I think that brings our community a little closer together. And and the piece that Robbie is really great about is is the tech and, and getting to the root of, you know, what resources need to be supplemented uh, around the talent of the people uh, who we bring in. And so that's that's things like our archive online where, you know, let's say you do have one show that you really like. You can listen back to the last four weeks. You know, if there's a if there's a, a secondary show that you kind of might be interested in, then mm-hmm. you can sort of inch your way. And you don't have to wait. It's not appointment radio necessarily. You can you can listen on demand and sort of try new things. And so, uh, you know, without his vision, we wouldn't have that robust uh, multimedia. Uh, you know sort of sweet mm-hmm. from the app to the site and, and going beyond just being on radio, but also his contacts. I mean, the, the man knows web and he's, he's mentored other people who do, or he's mm-hmm. worked in the trenches with other people who do. And, and gratefully uh, other people in design and all these other folks have come to the table to really get behind what we're doing because Robbie's involved. Just like, you know, I've brought certain mm-hmm. people in who, who get behind it because I'm involved and, uh, with every imprint and every footprint and every uh, uh, you know touch point we make, someone tells two other people to join a board or three other mm-hmm. people to join a board, and so they bring their talents to the to the table, and so that's that's really what what we do to to move that mission forward. Awesome, you know it's interesting um, uh, when I think of the concept of championing a cause, it's almost like a beacon is shown in the sky and when we're all Batman, you know, and we all care about Gotham, you know, and, and it's like, Oh wow, that thing. And it doesn't call everybody, but, it, but some people see that beacon in the sky and they're like, that's my thing, mm-hmm. you know, and they show up and I talk about how, uh, in what I've written, you know, that champions are, uh, who champion a specific cause. They kind of arrive at the airport gate at the same time. They got their ticket, they got their boarding pass. And what I've witnessed in my own work on stuff, around the Coliseum and fairgrounds, my cause Mm -hmm. is a diversity of talent that kind of like materializes out of the ether. You know, it's like the called people just all of a sudden go and it's together. Mm -hmm. And and when I, when I listen to you describe how different people have come to the table, you and Robbie and others and volunteers and the the program hosts and everything, I see the same thing. And, and I, I see a diversity, not only of talent, but a diversity of networks that reflects the diversity of Memphis. Mm -hmm. And that's really gratifying to hear because I think that is a real gift um, that you've been given and you're clearly making the most of, which is to say, here's this great community resource and you're, y'all have been given an opportunity to take a swing for the fences at making it something that really reflects um, the diversity of Memphis. And I, I think 
diversity as as a, as a, as a term has has evolved for a while, uh, and I think we're you know we're now living in a, in an age where I think people are having franker discussions about diversity, about racism, about uh, white supremacy, all right. these things, right. and we're bringing all these things to the table. Um, I just think it's an incredible gift. Uh, to talk a little bit about here. Sorry, that was a bit of a monologue. I didn't mean it as such. Uh, when, in terms of like people rallying around a cause, I also feel that you are a champion of Memphis music, which is which is a diversity within the diversity of WYXR. Mm-hmm. Now, program hosts can play whatever they want, whatever. Uh, but how is there an overarching uh, kind of featuring, if you will, of Memphis music and a broader swath of Memphis music? How, right. how have you achieved that? Uh, we know, as you mentioned, every host can come in and play the music that they want to play as long as it uh, meets FCC standards. So, you know, no, no cursing and, um, you know, for us being nonprofit, there's, there's, other things that are important about like political messaging and that sort of thing. So Mm. as long as it meets those requirements, then it's fine. Go for it. Um, And, you know, also for me, there's no like hate speech or anything like that. You know what I mean? So sure. Anything that could be, you know, construed as such. And uh, they've been fantastic about that across the board. Um, But if there's not a person live in the studio, if there's not a pre-recorded show scheduled, then what plays is, pretty much my uh, featuring my Memphis music um, library Mm -hmm. and it's evolving. It takes time to get music in there because most of it we're we're literally recording from record. And so uh, as, as the world turns and things are, you know, pretty uh, busy, (laughs) the hustle and bustle, it takes time to sit down and, 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 figure out what songs I want to go in there and, you know, sit with 45s and all that and, and record it and catalog it and metadata and all that and get into the system. But that's an evolving and growing project. Uh, the thing about it that makes it what you've mentioned as a, uh, a broad uh, vision and canon for Memphis music is that it's not about the hits. It's not the wooly bully it's not the ring my bell. Mm. It's not the caught in the trap. Although all those records are fine, and you'll hear that on the station. Uh, but I really want to prop those sorts of songs up and contextualize them with the the kind of wild west of music that uh, you know has always existed. There have always been smaller homebrew labels, and just like you might go on Bandcamp and uh, download a, a Jeff Hewlett record, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Or uh, Pez record, you know, mm-hmm. which you know that's the sort of stuff that we we look for is to really just boil it down to you know if it was you know nineteen eighty one and stacks closed you know six years earlier, who was doing what and what neighborhood who who was you know grabbing right five hundred dollars from here and six hundred dollars from there and uh, you know whose brother knew a cousin who played bass who maybe somebody could play drum they were getting these bands together and they were you know doing a one off you know, 45 or, uh, you know, one record or, you know, a a Memphis person produced a record on Malico or, Mm. you know, all these sort of smaller connections uh, that were blips 
to some people, but with these huge moments of pride for folks like yourself who have careers, who've moved on and may not be in the studio every day, who may not look at themselves or look at their entire span of their lives and say, oh, I was just a musician. Mm -hmm. uh, there are songwriters in this community that, that uh, you know, might work at MIFA or might mm -hmm. be preachers or might be, you know, the people who've moved on or, or maybe it was a hobby or these sorts of things. But if there's merit to the music, you know, and, and as program manager, uh, you know, if I were at a station, a commercial station, the merit would be, Oh, here's what sound scan said, or here's what billboard has said, and here's the chart. And this is what we, this is what people are responding to. Uh, for me, it's, it's making the, the, uh, sort of the journalistic decision, sort of uh, the decision as a DJ, mm -hmm. uh, having the instincts to say, all right, here's a song that I think is artistically interesting, or mm -hmm. maybe it has some historic context, historical context that's interesting, or some other thing that sort of builds community and, and um, you know, whether or not it was a hit in its time, whether or not I, I think it might be a hit today, let's throw it in, let's see, let's, you know, it's, it, and so we we're then you know it just doesn't it just isn't a random shuffle either. Uh, you know, putting the music in is one thing, but we're, we're training our computer systems to make decisions based on the style of music, uh, the instrumentation, uh, the the sort of vocals that are laid on it. And so you know, mm -hmm. it's it's divided into these specific categories. Uh, you know, funk and soul is in one space, or jazz is in one space, or rock is in one space, and mm -hmm. folk world country is in another space, um, or hip hop on this side or pop and electronic on another side. And so it goes into those buckets, but then you can go more granular and say, uh, at this time of day, I only want to hear pop and electronica and rock and, uh, tell the computer that if you play, you know, a song from, if you play three songs with male leads and play one with a woman, or if you, if you listen, you know, at this time of day, I only want to hear funk and soul. If you play two stack songs in a row, you got to play another label. You know, giving the computer all this information to to make decisions based on just taste and sort of how I would probably DJ. And so overnight, my dream, because uh, it's really when you hear it the most, hear this this automated music the most, is that, you know, someone who's driving through a trucker or something might just get a taste of Memphis that they wouldn't have gotten elsewhere. Or they, mm -hmm. you know, they hear, they hear Otis Redding, but then they might hear someone who they never, ever heard of before. And that sends them on a rabbit hole to understand more about these people who, uh, again, maybe they passed on or they haven't recorded in 30, 40 years. Um, or, you know, people who are from here hear these songs you know, if they hear Anita Ward ring on bell and they hear another disco tune that kind of feels similar, they wonder like, where did this come from? Or who was, who was that person? Are they still in our community? Are they still alive? What's going on? But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the other fun thing is, you know, for someone to say, Oh, that's, that was my stepdad or that was my grandmother or that person, you know, this, this is me. And who, who out there in the, in this world remembers this music that I made because there's so much stuff out there that, that, you know, it is that obscure. And so uh, giving it a, a place to shine and, and those people become fans of the station. They're like, yeah. oh, my God, you know who I am? What's going on here? So, wow. So you, you get to curate the deep cuts. 
All, all of, you're the curator of Memphis's many, many, many deep cuts. Well, you know, there's so much stuff that's way outside of my scope. You know, when I talk to Robbie about the music that he was inspired by, the people who played in bars when in bars that I didn't even get to go to, the Buck mm-hmm. and all this. I mean, that, the antenna that's before my time, and I didn't see a lot of those. Some of those people didn't record. Some of them did. A lot of those records I don't have. So, you know, when you have someone like a Zach Ives in or a Frank Bruno or, yeah. uh, you know, a Jim Cole, someone who saw Memphis from a way different scope than what I saw, you yeah. know, you, it, it for me unlocks a whole different world of, of Memphis music. And because I'm so focused on the soul and the funk and the disco and the hip hop and the R&B. And so I welcome all of that. I'm, I'm definitely not the end all be all of experts. We all kind of have to cover our sure. ground and we overlap in different places. Uh, and you know our apple pie is the stacks and the high and the al green all that like we can all agree on that sort of stuff Uh, but then you sort of go off into your corners and break out and then say all right I found this thing I found this thing and have these conversations and so uh, you know I'm not the expert on someone like a Chilton or Jim Dickinson uh, but so that makes it even more interesting when I can invite someone to the station to sit sit down and and not only tell our listeners but let me listen in on this world that I, I, I don't necessarily know all about Right. You know, uh, a f- several years ago at this point, uh, the band I was in for 30 plus years, Pez, we played uh, the old antenna reunion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there were a couple of antenna reunions. And I remember, you know, with us being kind of I was we were that kind of like second wave in the kind of second wave of bands, not not the kind of oldest. And I remember uh seeing who was going to be playing with us and and uh and and i have to i'm ashamed to admit this it was, I, it was a bit of an ageist thought i think who are these old guys and here I, now i'm the old guy right uh at 52 but i remember thinking who who are these old cats and what do they really think they're gonna like shine and we played there were two bands that i would say i'd heard of but they were of a generation older than me to where i never saw them the crime mm. and neon wheels mm-hmm. and i remember thinking Damn, these guys are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they really showed me a thing or two. Uh, is that the? It, I, w- I would suspect that kind of writ large is that what, what you get to experience in terms of meeting older artists and just kind of really expanding <laughs> your repertoire. You know, there's so many records. There's just so many records that were made in this town, and and I think that. Well, I know people take it for granted because uh, you know I've lived other places, and. Uh, Goodness, I mean, you really would have to, you know, travel pretty far to find someone who knows what it's like to have made a record, and, or uh, you know, particularly in the the days before you could just do it in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the the fun thing and the funny thing is that even if if it wasn't intended to, if it, even if it wasn't intended to be a commercial release, you know, there's people, you know, your churches concert choir you know in 73 recorded something and it's you know probably pretty good (laughs) right or you know the memphis state jazz ensemble or uh the the production their production of dude or you know hair or something like that you know like Mm -hmm. you find stuff like that and you go looking through and go oh i know that person that person's still around or yeah oh it's produced by him oh wow that's cool or johnny phillips was there and so you start making all these connections and really if you pick up the phone and start calling people then they'll tell you all about it yeah uh and so that's that's really what it is that's what it's like every day is this sort of big bustling uh, you know, I don't want to compare it to something I don't know much about because I, I don't know much, know much about this, but like the Marvel Universe or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, but that's community, right? Like, everyone's working on a, on something at their time, 
And uh, I don't want to um, understate the fact that we're paying attention to brand new music too. So mm-hmm. it's happening right mm-hmm. before us and you don't want to miss out on everyone who's, who's especially over the past year and a half has been siloed oh, and, and, and just tinkering. And so there's going to be a lot of new music that's going to come out of this period. And there already has been. So, you know, we're living in it, this living history. And, and I think no question about it, after I'm gone, people are still going to be talking about WXR and, you know, who's Jared and who is Robbie and who's Marvin and <laughs> who are these people that, you know, and so we're, uh, I, when I lived in Mobile, it, you know, any record store in any community, you always see older folks walk in and just kind of just put their hands on the hip and just look. They're like overwhelmed. They're like, so people want records. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they say it out loud, but you can always sort of see that look, their wheels turning, they look on their face like they heard it was a record store that still existed and that they're, it's not CDs in there. It's not, you know, it's, you know, there's, it's a music marketplace and the record is the preferred medium. And you see people who've sort of been out of the loop of that. Yeah for quite a while thrown out their records and they, you know, they only at a certain period of time, they only imagined a world where there would be records and then three or four more things happened. And so to see people kind of loop back, especially here, the young people are most interested in it. You see people walk in all the time and just kind of look and they go, what? And then they ask the person who's there like, Oh, so folks are, folks are buying records, huh? <laughs> And like, yeah, they are. <laughs> you know, we had this record swap this past week, and and, and I saw a guy like that uh, who just happened to be strolling around. I was like, people are here buying records. Like, it's a it's a this is a, a convention, a fair for people who like records. Like, yeah. So living in Mobile, there's that, and then there's this other layer of the record store being called Mobile Records. Mm-hmm, that's just the name of it. So you see people, you see two groups of people confused. Those that first group I just mentioned, but also you'd get people who would walk in and go, "I need my marriage license," and they're like, "This isn't that kind of record because <laughs> you know the name Mobile Records just implies that they're that they are the keeper, like they're they're oh, mun- municipality, right? Yeah, oh, that's really funny. But the more I watch that happen, you know, <laughs> or answer the phone and people are like, "Hey, uh, I'm looking to, to get you know a death certificate, you know, whatever, like this sort of thing." the more I realize that records are just that. They are evidence that someone was here. Mm, yeah. And the statement that they had to make, and so this podcast is that, and, and you know, a VHS tape is that, or a Laserdisc is that, on a grand scale, like, oh, well, that's Jurassic Park. It took millions of dollars to make, you know, a kajillion dollars. Yeah, but it was it was the vision of people who, you know, just like we have Zoom calls and set up a thing to do the next week or whoever, like, you know, it's a series of meetings and people get together and they say, oh, we're going to make a statement mm-hmm. and we're going to make a make a permanent mark on the world. And so I cherish media in that sense. And so in a world that did that, especially digital media as a digital native media, is so disposable. And the thing that's important to us today, there's a new headline tomorrow, and that story, you know, you publish a story at AAM, and it doesn't mm-hmm. go into the paper and not change it. You keep updating it all day. Mm-hmm. So we produce it really fast, and we uh, consume it really fast, and we discard it, and it changes. It keeps changing. So uh, that's the, that's my draw to this thing that doesn't change. Yeah, This statement that someone made that I, I maybe necessarily can't call on the phone. And to say, hold on, wait a minute, y'all. Y'all might be, you know, getting new music every Thursday, you know, at midnight, and you wake up, it's Friday, and there's new music, and, you know, you get to talk about it on Twitter, and then the next day you're talking about another thing, and, you know, but like, 
I remember when me and my dad listened to the same CD for a year or two years until the mm-hmm. new artist, until the artist came out with something new. And, you know, I had that finite case of CDs that I loved and took everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being a kid and that's how my tra- my parents treated their records. And I didn't quite know it or understand it, but they taught me how to play them. And so that was one of the best gifts they could have given me is just to yeah. say, if you're going to listen to Thriller as much as you like listening to Thriller, you're going to have to learn to do it on your own. So I had to learn how to do it on my own. And so that skill has stayed with me my whole life, even when I wasn't using it. And so it wasn't, you know, it was second nature for me to just say, Mm -hmm. I know know how to use records. So uh, the record has sort of become my best friend Sure, uh, just to be able to to keep and hold it and say, I don't know what I'm going to do with this just now, but it's a record. I need to put it away for now until I know what to do with it. It's a permanent, tangible document. You're right. And and I feel like there's there's a finality to it. It's like once it's stamped, it's the thing. And 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 to me, like liner notes are a part of it. Uh, Pez always uh, aims to have like sort of kind of a conceptual statement that ties together the title and kind of takes the meaning deeper. And I just think that there is a there is a finality. And it's like you know we live in an age where you can constantly update things, and you know you can. <laughs> can mix your record forever in pro tools you most most pez records were made in the day where you the mix was from one tape to another and if you needed a boost in the vocal or some kind of you moved a physical fader mm-hmm. you know uh and and of course the if you have pro tools it just the gift is you can take forever the curse is you can take forever mm-hmm. but uh but once you're done and you call it done and you bless it and it's done uh then it kind of it kind of exists as a permanent uh, kind of legacy piece, really, uh, to say this is what we thought and this was the sum total of our creative output. And to be the, the curator of that is, 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 is a great gift. Were you it, gonna say it's overwhelming. There's just so much yeah. stuff out there. What do you hope, um, now that WYXR is built up and running, finding you've put it through its paces, you're finding its strengths, what do you think long term is going to be its function in the community? You've talked about the community of artists that come together and make it, but what what is that? How I guess you know, can I answer my own question? But like, how is the community experiencing it, and how do you see that evolving? Uh, you know, Robbie makes sure that when we talk about our mission and what we plan to do, that it isn't <clears throat> just focused to radio. I mean, from the moment we launched, we weren't just on FM; we were online. We had an app coming. We were already sort of carried through uh, like Sonos and TuneIn. And so the realm of what can be possible on the Internet is so large. You know, FM is just what you can hear. And you can take it with you, you know, in the car. You could go in the house and tune, you know, have an FM tuner at home and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, on the Internet, we can add sound. I mean, we can add film or video or, Mm -hmm. you know, we could add, uh, you know, here's here's music that goes with a recipe or, you know, all these different sort of things that we could do. Uh, There's a social component out there um, across platforms. So that's 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 exciting. And so that allows us to say we're we're. We're multimedia. You know, of course, I have a news background. He has a marketing background, and we both enjoy and perform and and uh, sort of interact with music on such a deep and intimate level. Mm-hmm. So all of that kind of makes sense uh, as far as how music and media kind of can play together. 
so the the next piece just becomes the people and um you can't just sit in Crosstown, although we have a beautiful resource of having of being in one of the most traveled lobbies in the city, um, that isn't enough. Particularly in this community, it is not enough because you see the same people every day for the most part. I mean, some people are you know come in and they explore Crosstown, and hopefully more people will come in and explore Crosstown. Mm-hmm. But it's the honest is on us to get the hell out and go see people where they are. And it's not just enough to say, oh, we'll do, we'll do something with the Levitt show. Like, yeah, you're getting a lot of the same people. Like, we need to be in Frasier. We need to be in Hickory Hill. We need to be in Parkway Village. We need to be in Smoky City. We need to be in Orange Mound. We need to be in Whitehaven. We need to be in Bartlett. We need to be in Carterville. We need to be in uh, Germantown. We need to be, uh, you know, in North, North Mississippi. We need to be uh, pulling people together into – uh, this community that we're, we're, you know, growing from fire stations to churches to, uh, you know, community rallies to, you know, food truck festivals and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kids concerts. And, you know, all, I want everyone to, to have a space to plug into who we are because we're trying to have a little sprinkle of what brings everyone together. You know, when I was a real young kid, I love Eminem and Dr. Dre, but I, I could get down with some Radio Disney too. Like there was, you know, there was a bit of there was a bit of kid in there for entertainment. There's a bit of adult in there for entertainment. Mm-hmm. I was, I was a black kid in a black neighborhood, but I also went to Richland Elementary and and grew up around a more diverse group of students. Uh, you know, so all of these experiences, I saw a lot of different sides of Memphis from a very early age, and uh, you know. That that just contributes to this is this is something that truly is for people, and you know you love the music you love when you're growing up, when you first start kissing you know whoever you're interested in, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, first start looking at cars and wanting to get out and about and going to parties and dancing. That's the music you love, but you know all of us also love the music that they're their parents played when you know it was time to clean the house or mm-hmm. when you're on the way to school and your, your mom or dad was in control of the radio and so what kind of music that is varies depending on your culture and your environment and your background and so i want some of i want everyone in this community to be able to listen in and, and hear something and they think oh that's Either something that I grew up with that I loved, or that's cutting edge and something that I'm interested in and want to figure out later, or that reminds me of being with my mom and my dad mm. when I was a kid. And so, if you're Afro Latino, that doesn't necessarily sound the same as what I grew up listening to with my parents. Mm-hmm. Or if you're Asian American, that doesn't necessarily sound the same. Or if you're Muslim, that doesn't necessarily sound the same. Or, you know, so there's so many different ways to get at it, but there's so many different people in this city is becoming more international. That's true. In a way that a lot of people might not realize. So No, that's true. What responsibility do you think you have as a black Memphian to fold forward how, the music that you inherited from your parents, but also to reflect, quite frankly, some musical styles that have been under-celebrated? Um, well, I think there, there are a lot of different perspectives there mm-hmm. uh, on one hand uh, it's incredible to, to have a cultural exchange and to have a, a sort of a space where that is um, 
the promoted value to say everyone, each one teach one, and you can pull everyone in and, and, and allow everyone to have a real conversation about that. And there's a time and a place for that, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, frankly, as a, as a black man in Memphis or a black man in America or a black man elsewhere in the world, uh, there's, there's really no – your responsibility to be open is, is up to a point, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, history has not taught us that uh, that being black and being um, available for everyone to get inside the fabric of, of who you are at your essence is, is in your best interest. You know what I mean? Like that, that isn't necessarily uh, the lesson that history has taught us. You know, um, there have been many, many points in history where being too open uh, has led to imperialism or mm-hmm. to colonialism or to uh, just this non-mutualistic relationship between uh, black peoples and who, whoever or whomever might be interested in what's going on. So there there should definitely be boundaries in a safe space for, for true expression. My hope with WYXR is that um, while I also might be opening up hearts and minds to specific cultures or opening up interest and uh, opening up hopefully resources for those who might be disenfranchised in, in, in communities throughout Memphis and possibly throughout the world because so many people throughout the world have their eyes on Memphis and are interested in Elvis or interested in Stacks or interested in what's mm-hmm. going on in our community for various reasons, FedEx or St. Jude and all these different uh AutoZone, you know, these big recruitment hubs for people all across the world uh, to come and and, and have uh, jobs and other resources. Um, I also hope that uh, someone sitting in their bedroom, like I was when I grew up listening to High 107 or K97 uh, or V101 or WDIA, that they they get to have a quiet time where they can hear a reflection of themselves and be inspired to – not be afraid to go into a more diverse setting, and 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 so it's 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 an opportunity to to, to seek solace and say mm-hmm. you know oh this is a very black moment, or you know like people who I know who you know I have a lot I have some friends who are Dominican who are fairly new in town who listen to the radio station and, and any bit of uh, Latin American music that they hear they go oh my god I can't believe this this reminds me of growing up oh my god it's a very communal <laughs> moment for them it isn't necessarily they forget everyone else is in the room and they say this is this is our moment for us to, to have our moment yeah and so uh, they become inspired and then when that moment passes they can maybe say all right well that gave me enough energy to know that when I walk into a room where other people aren't like me, that there's still a space for me because there was a mm-hmm. space for me on WYXI where all these different things were going on. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a sort of twofold that way. Interesting. How does, how does Bizzle Blue Bland factor into all this? You as an artist. Uh, well, honestly, I wasn't really an in-demand DJ pre-pandemic. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, I was at Central Station DJing uh, every Sunday for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. whew, long hours from like 4 p.m. to close, like 11 p.m., 12, midnight. A lot of times they'd ask, they have to ask me to take a break because I just like stand up DJing. It's just like uh, I got, I got, 
used to a level of endurance playing records going back and forth on those two feet just rocking mm-hmm. from one turntable to the next uh but in the absence of being in the lounge every sunday uh and transitioning into being on the radio you know when really nothing was going on in the community no one was getting outside we launched this radio station and so people could hear what i was doing all across the city uh and know what i was about know that i can you know do an 80s uh, you know, R&B set, New Jack Swing, or do a 90s hip hop set, or do a 70s Mem- only Memphis soul set, uh, you know, you know this sort of range of things I could do or play the music of my childhood, the mm-hmm. early 2000s, and you know, I could, I could jump all around these different things. And also I was in the room when a lot of other people were playing music, you know, if, if someone you know like uh you know jim spake came in and and did an hour or a chad white or whoever comes to the station i'm hearing this music i'm internalizing this music and so i'm I'm sort of keeping and clocking and making and and listening to all this music so Mm -hmm. uh through the radio station and uh people started to get more familiar with who i was as a dj because i'd been a writer for the last year and a half two years that i'd moved back to memphis uh but also for me i just got better because of the the reps i was putting in um, trying new things in off hours or uh, just the, the muscle memory of being in that booth all the time. If someone was late or someone was out, we didn't have an archive to run reruns that early on. And so I just got really good really quickly just because I was doing it all day. <laughs> so as you look forward uh, to uh, WYXR's future, uh, what, do you, what, do you, what does that hold uh, for you, Jared? How, how, how long do you want to be at the helm? Uh, do you have a certain kind of uh, internal kind of mechanism that's going to say, here's when I've got it positioned enough and I'm going to want to move to the next challenge? Or, 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 or have you, have you see, can you see that far down the road? Uh, you know, Robbie and I were like co-parents and it's, it's our baby. Uh, you never really want to, you know, let your hands off of, of your baby and you're always tinkering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that he um, would assume, or a lot of people would assume that that'll be forever for, for both of us or for me or, you know, I can't speak for him, but uh, you know, when I think when you know, you know, it's time to, to, to let go. I think I'm, I'm honored that uh, no matter what in the history books, there will always be a beginning and, and I would have been there. Uh, I, I, don't, I definitely haven't thought far ahead enough to, to know what the other side of that looks like. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, I want to be able to to take this show on the road. I want to be based here, but go all around the globe playing these records that we collect, that I collect, um, and sharing the stories of the people who I've been able to track down and talk to and ask them about these records. And so I think that that will require me to, at some point, at least take a weekend away to travel or a week mm-hmm. away to travel or two weeks away to travel. So I think that uh, as that begins to happen, whether it be a year from now or two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, we'll we'll know when it might be too much to manage. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that I want to do to continue to share what Memphis means to me. You know, I'd like to do some on-camera stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, it's kind of like a travel show. That's a dream of mine to do a travel show that's only in this region. You know, Memphis, North Mississippi. Uh, you know, kind of sharing these odds and ends, having conversations with people. 
uh, kind of like a Bourdain or Andrew Zimmerman, but just here at home and, and letting people see uh, just how fascinating our culture is and the history behind it. Uh, you know, that'll be a project that will probably require a lot of hands-on time and attention whenever the time is right for that. Um, you know, so and <laughs> most people want me to continue to write. <laughs> I got a little burned out on writing, but uh, there, there are tons of people who, who tap me on the shoulder and ask, can I write this or write that? And sure. Even even Robbie bugs me about needing to write some stuff. So I'm a fan of your writing. Well, you, you, you wrote several Coliseum stories for the Daily yeah. Memphian that were really good. So you, uh, I think you're a great writer. Thank you. Well, I definitely want to evolve that as time goes on. And I've been doing some liner notes and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, the DJing, uh, the, the the writing and, and, you know, hosting and all that, I just want to see it grow and, and for it, all of it to serve Memphis while it, while, mm-hmm. it, while I scale it up. Is, uh, as you were talking, and I didn't mean to ask you to purchase, obviously you've got plenty to more that you want to accomplish, <laughs> uh, but but that's, that's good to kind of see the kind of at a glance. I wonder, is the kind of uh, roaming tour of Memphis the kind of precursor to the roaming tour of, 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 the, of the United States, perhaps? Or like, um, and what role do you do you see that kind of like starting to get out and about in Memphis a little bit more? Well, you know, there, like I mentioned, there are people all over the world who have interest in Memphis, and they're, they're mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd like to get a degree in ethnomusicology, honestly, uh, kind of the anthropology and sociology of sound. Uh, to kind of be able to trace Memphis's impact on mm-hmm. other musics of the world. Like I hear it in dance hall. I hear it uh, in the Miami soul sound. I hear it elsewhere in the world. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've been to, I've been to Ethiopia, uh, a fascinating music country. Uh, I'd like to see more stuff like that. And so, uh, Across the U.S., yes, but really, I like to honestly study black music and 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 how cultures you know move around it throughout the world and, and apply Memphis's own story to that. Uh, so that's that's sort of the larger vision. Is like mm-hmm. I can kind of see myself, you know, people look up one day and be like, you know, JB's got a place in Memphis, but I haven't seen him in like six months. Like, oh yeah, he's been he's been in Kenya for like <laughs> six <laughs> months, or he's been in Detroit researching for like four weeks you know so I, you know i'll be here but kind of be bouncing out to uh to draw those draw those connections those dots uh, elsewhere and you know i get i get communications from from people like graziano uliani uliani uh who runs basically a memphis soul festival in the hills of italy mm. i mean in 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 on on otis redding way and rufus thomas park uh, so, wow. you know, the world's been closed where I can't travel. Like, I mean, those are, those are sorts of things I need to go and see, uh, you know, up close and understand because that, that's, that sort of stuff is happening. Those conversations are happening where people are, are that stoked on Memphis. Isn't that crazy? It's music. Yeah. That, that, you know, uh, they found me or I found them just from mm-hmm. writing about, about it from here. When Pez toured Europe in 2001, it was right after the after after 9-11 we were we were over in uh over in europe it was an interesting time to be in europe but i really got a profound sense of the of of europe's and, and britain's uh, just love of all things memphis mm-hmm. we we one time we we got uh we were playing this show and we'd already played and this guy came in late and uh there was this guy that had been talking to us and he goes 
he sees the guy come in. He goes, these guys are from Memphis. Hmm. And he go, and he goes, and he just he got this look on his face. And he pull, I'm, I'm making this up. He pulls out his wallet and he says, I want one of everything on your merch table. And he bought all of our merch. Nice. <laughs> he had no idea what we sounded like at all. And uh, and we we would we would we would get people saying like, can I take my picture with you? I, I can't wait to tell somebody that I met somebody from Memphis. Hmm. And it's just it's just crazy. And, and they know our our Memphis music legacy and lineage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. honestly, better than better than we do in many in many ways. Absolutely. That's that's huge. That's huge that you that you're kind of like getting that kind of. And now you know, flash forward twenty years, and it's a much more connected world. Somebody can just reach out to you from Italy and and just uh, hatch a plan. You know, right, right, right. Well, you know, even with how connected the world is, particularly <laughs> Americans, we we kind of close ourselves off. As we're less interested in what's going on outside and right. in the world than uh, a lot of people are about us, or just are in general. And, uh, you know, there's still so much that that is happening. You know, the fact that so many things go missing in our community, people say, oh, well, I didn't know y'all were having a such and such event. Or, you know, we, we're bad about <laughs> we're <laughs> yeah. bad about getting the word out on Facebook. You know what I mean? So. Right. There's still uh, corners of the world that are tapped into things that they've read in books or things they've heard on mm-hmm. the records. Uh, and they're sort of germinating their own influence uh, of things that we did 30 and 40 years ago and they aren't posting about it. There isn't a video you can watch. There isn't a documentary that you can explore about, oh, this is pocket of this place that appreciates what we're They're just doing it and they're doing mm-hmm. it to appreciate them, to, to share it with themselves. And um, so you literally kind of have to hit the, hit, the, hit the ground and get your boots on the ground and, and see it for yourself. And I just can't even imagine how blown away I'd, I'd be. You know, when I hear people say, oh, I was in a cafe in Switzerland and heard blues. And walked in. It's like what you know. I was in the Netherlands and and I saw this and uh, you know, Japan. The way that they've mm-hmm. embraced people like Wendy <clears throat> Moten or play mm. play a G, who's you know an underground rapper from here. Uh, you know, there there are things going on right under our noses that we don't even realize we've influenced. Yeah, Jared, thanks so much for being on Champions of the Lost Cause. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you for for being the champion. Thanks for listening. Champions of the Lost Causes is a production of the Back to the Light Podcast Network. I'm your host, Marvin Stockwell. Produced by Ryan Azada. With production assistance by J.D. Rieger. Logo and design by Collins Dillard. Music by Ryan Azada. If you like the show, please follow, rate, and review us on your favorite platform. Keep up with the latest at championsofthelostcauses.org. Part of the Back to the Light podcast network at backtothelight.net.